What's up, everybody? Max here with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. Thanks for tuning in. I see everybody out there in the chat. Oh, man. So yesterday was a cool episode. This whole week's been cool. It's the last show of the week, and I'm excited to uh, get the weekend started, especially over here in Okinawa. I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys on the show or not. Maybe I have. Maybe not everybody's heard it. But this week's been weird. My wife is doing a course on the internet via Zoom, and that course is in the United States. We're out here in Okinawa, so she's been up from one in the morning till nine in the morning doing this course, and I've been staying up with her. And last night, this week, just kind of caught up with me, and I was feeling smoked. I'm pretty tired now. I, I'm really not feeling as energized as I usually do, but you know, this show is live. We're here live on YouTube, and I got to present a good program for you guys. And I do love doing this too, so I'm going to try to bring my A-game today for you guys. We have a lot of cool stories and stuff to talk about, but I am just freaking smoked from this week. I never adjusted to the sleep change. Like I've always been good with jet lag, but I've never been good at switching to the graveyard shift, if you will, the mid check, you know, the 10 in the morning to 6 a.m. shift. There's just something about that, that as soon as the sun comes, like there's like a period from three to five in the morning where it's like impossible to keep your eyes open. It's impossible to focus. Let me know if you guys, if this resonates with you guys in the chat, three to five in the morning, totally done. I'm like, I can't wait to go to bed. This day cannot end soon enough. The second hand on the clock is barely moving. Then the sun comes up and it's like, I'm ready for the day. You know, your body just goes, I'm up. It's daytime. Let's do it. Let's have a normal day. So that's been my week and I am smoked and I'm ready for this week to be over. We're doing it one more time tonight because, you know, it's only going to be Friday morning when we get up for this class in the, in the evening. So we have to do it one more time. Tomorrow morning we'll be done and uh, we'll get to enjoy maybe some Saturday morning brunch and a nice weekend and we'll be back to a normal schedule. Thank you in the chat, the circadian rhythm. It's really true. But you know, you would think after like four or five days of this, you would just be able to go to sleep because you're tired, but that has not been the case. I can't get tired once the day starts. I know you guys are telling me circadian rhythm. I got it. I just wish there was a quick fix instead of taking some melatonin or a a sleep aid or whatever. Anyway, I wanted, so we've got cool stories today. We're going to talk about flying on military aircraft, long duration flights. We're going to talk about the Navy PT exam. We're going to talk about something kind of funny about this plush toy that's making its rounds on the internet and where it came from and why it's flying a jet and more. But before we do, there was something I've been meaning to tell you guys. Um, and it's, it's about where I get, I have, a, I have actually a bunch of, bunch of quick updates. So uh, the first thing is, where do I, how do I get stories out to you guys? How do I come up with stuff to talk about on this show every day for an hour, five days a week? Um, I use, if you guys want the full deal, that's coming to Patreon starting today. Cause we're, after I'm done with this show, I'm doing an entire studio remodel, an entire studio remodel. And that and more is going to be available on Patreon. So if you guys haven't signed up for Patreon yet for as little as a dollar a month, you can find it over there um, for $10 a month or maybe $3 a month for as little as $3 a month. You guys can find it over there. Really, whatever you want to commit. And then for uh, $10 a month on Patreon, you get a free t-shirt in your second month. So if you're listening on the podcast or if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, just remember that there's a great way to get um, support of the channel is over there on Patreon. So, um, and also my, I feel like I'm losing my voice a little bit too. So the first thing is like, where do I get all this stuff to talk about every day? So I do a couple things. One is I have my usual sus- suspects of websites that I go to. You guys probably see me all the time on task and purpose, stars and stripes, military.com, Navy times, army times, the whole time series. And then the other thing that I do is 
I go on to Google Alerts, and I've set up Google Alerts. So every morning at 7 a.m. here in Okinawa, I get these emails from Google into my Gmail, and it's any mention of U.S. military, U.S. Navy, U.S. Army, U.S. Marines, U.S. Air Force, Coast Guard, scuttlebutt. I get these emails with these articles, and I find a lot of stuff that way, including uh, one of the articles that I got today. So actually kind of an interesting one that I have today is from that. And then where do, like, do, do, where do I watch news? Do I watch news? I watch news all the time. And, you know, just this is more of a public service announcement that I'm making here. And then we're going to get into the stories. This public service announcement is I watch a bunch of news on YouTube when I'm editing. It's always on in the background. And I have oh, in the chat, I just saw Justin said, what about Space Force Alert? I'm going to add that today. That is I can't believe I didn't think about that. That is the fifth branch. I can't believe I didn't remember the fifth branch. Okay, so Space Force Alert's coming today. Maybe that's why I don't have as much Space Force news to talk about. So I'm going to update that today. Thank you. That's a great input. I also fixed the end of the video where the audio comes in on the outro screen. Thank you for that. Thank you guys for keeping me honest on the quality of the program. I'm I'm trying my best here. It's a lot to manage. Like I said, behind the scenes stuff coming soon, especially over on Patreon. So I watch a lot of Fox News and CNN. I know you guys are freaking out right now. I watch a lot of Fox News and CNN on YouTube when I'm editing and doing my videos and my show prep and all that stuff. And that's not where I get my news. But one interesting thing that I'll note is that if you watch a lot of Fox News and a lot of CNN, and then you go out and have conversations with people, this is why I do it, and then you go out and have conversations with people, I can't tell you ever since people have started talking to me on the, on, about this program, how many things people come up to me that are direct quotes from anchors on Fox News and CNN. Like they just recite things that they've seen on Fox News and CNN. And I'm like, everything that you just told me I saw on YouTube this morning. Like, do you have any thoughts and opinions of your own? You know, like, why don't, why is everybody just quoting the same stuff they get from two main news sources? I'm shocked at the amount of people out there whose entire perception of the world comes from either Fox News or CNN. And that's why I watch it is so I can prepare to like receive these arguments from people. And I know that all of their ideas are coming from these two platforms. And I think that that's really interesting. The other thing is, I don't know if you guys watch this, but The reason I brought that up is because somewhere that I really like to get news from is a program, uh, an organization called Vice. If you guys don't watch Vice, which has a couple YouTube channels, they have Vice and they have Vice News as two different YouTube channels. Vice currently has more YouTube subscribers than either CNN or Fox News. And I'm really glad that people are going there because journalism, in my opinion, is not dead. It's just clandestine. It's like hard to find good journalism out there. And Vice, in my opinion, is good journalism. I love their stories. And no matter how hard I look at, you know, at them to try to find where they're, where they stand on things or like try to predict what their take on something's going to be. They always surprise me. They are just awesome. I recommend you guys go watch vice. They have great stories over there. I love their channel. They have great documentaries. They have a great one out episodically coming out right now about QAnon. If you guys have any interest in that at all, I watched the first part a couple days ago. It's like 45 minutes long and it was Awesome. It was awesome. Netflix quality stuff. Um, so I'm adding the Space Force alert. We've got behind the scenes stuff coming out. Where do you guys get your news from? 
let me know. I'd love to hear it. Uh, and, and wherever you get your news from, do you listen to the opposite? Like I always tell people, wherever you get your news from, you should listen to the opposite. You should listen to the people who think the complete opposite of you and see what they have to say too. And I try to do that all the time. Uh, so that's where I get a lot of my ideas from. People send me stuff to talk about on the show. If you have anything you'd like to see me cover on the show, let me know. I'm interested. I'd like to, I'd like to know what you guys are interested in. And I'd like to know if you think that I do a good job coming up with stuff to talk about. That was my other question is, do you guys think that I do a good job coming up with stuff to talk about on this show? I hope so. Uh, I am trying to keep it interesting, keep it relevant, um, make it dynamic, some fun stuff, some serious stuff. With that, we'll go into our first story of today. I just babbled for like 10 minutes. So with that, we'll go into our first story of today, which is uh, an interesting one that I found here. This is one from Google Alerts. So this is from my Google Alerts, and it is a first Navy SEAL passes away at 90. Ignore this video if you're watching this on YouTube. First U.S. Navy SEAL passes away at 90 years old. So I clicked on this, Somerset County, Pennsylvania, Harry M. Beal. The nation's very first Navy SEAL passed away on January 26th at 90 years old. So he was from Myersdale. Harry was a first-class petty officer with the United States Navy when he, where he entered in 1948, so just after World War II, as a gunner's mate aboard the Shenandoah Tarawa. He became part of the underwater demolition team in 1955, which would have been around the time of the Korean War. He was a SEAL instructor specializing in underwater demolition. He retired in 1968. Following that, he worked for PennDOT for 20 years before retiring in 1990. The public's invited to pay their respects 2 to 4 p.m. and 6 to 8 p.m. on January 28th, so that would have been today. It would have, it's happening as we speak. The family will not be in attendance during this period due to COVID, but will attend a private funeral on the 29th tomorrow. He is preceded in death by parents, wife of 67 years, Marjorie Jane, and sons, Wayne and Mark Beale, and his brothers, William Clarence, Franklin, uh, Perry Beale, and Bruce Beale. And he, so that's un, preceded in death means all those other people have already passed away. And he is survived by his sons, Mac Beale and Merle Beal, his daughter, and the rest of his family extend, extended here. So I thought that was interesting and notable. The first U.S. Navy SEAL passes away. And then I wanted to give you guys a little bit of background. So the Navy SEALs was established January 1st, 1962. So what I think what they're saying here is the first person to be named a Navy SEAL is who Harry Beal was. Because the SEALs were established January 1st, 1962 by John F. Kennedy after World War II in Vietnam. And they were established... Uh, in, in, at the end of what was already, you know, the establishment of UDT one and two UDT missions in world war two, where the seals kind of got their be historical beginning from was them doing beach reconnaissance and underwater, uh, mapping of the ocean floor. So they were doing all these crazy missions in preparation for Normandy. And then they went on to Korea as UDTs and in as UDT one and two. And then in Korea, they did a whole bunch of crazy operations there as well and then the stuff that the the groundwork that was laid in in Europe in, in the Pacific in World War II and then in Korea during the Korean War led to the establishment by John F. Kennedy of SEAL Team 1 and 2 uh, in 1962 on January 1st as a counterterrorism special operations unit where they you know then became you know sea air land specialists as we all know and the rest of the history is you know writes itself maybe what i'll do is if you guys are interested i'll get a C navy seal historian on the show and we can talk about the long and illustrious history of the navy seals as a community and all the great stuff that they've done um okay so question for you guys have you ever flown in a naval airplane 
for a long distance, like maybe across the world, right? Maybe, so I've flown in some uh, C5, C2, C130s. I've flown around the world in these things, right? And I remember being in some of these planes, they're like warehouses in the sky, warehouses in the sky. And they are so cool. Like this giant hangar that exists in a, in, a, in an airplane, 40 foot, you know, high ceiling clearance, 100 feet long. They put tanks in these things. They put trucks. They put giant ISU shipping containers in there. And you fly in these things on deployment. You go from point A to point B. And I've had a couple experiences with these. So for one, you can fly in a, Earl's like, I'm still in high school. <laughs> well, you'll, your time will come, Earl. So you fly in these things and they can be fitted with like rows of seats, which are extremely uncomfortable. So when I did my individual augmentee deployment, my detainee ops deployment in 2009, our you know, unit of 150 people flew out in C5, probably, I'm guessing. Uh, and it's lined with seats horizontally and you're crammed in there like sardines. And then in all of my NSW deployments, the two that I did, we flew in the same aircraft, except the seats were lined on the sides. The middle was full of ISUs and they let us sleep anywhere we wanted. So we could go sleep on the floor. We could hang up hammocks and sleep in our hammocks, which I didn't know on my first deployment, but I made sure I was ready for on my second deployment. So on my first deployment, I just slept on the floor. People climbed up to the top of the ISUs and slept on top in their sleeping bags. You know, you take a a Unisom or whatever sleep aid of choice you're taking and you pass out, you know, maybe you get that ambient hookup and you just pass out for 10 hours. And those flights were awesome. Extremely loud, extraordinary, extraordinarily loud inside these things. So if you are ever, ever going to fly in them, make sure you bring a nice pair of earplugs or noise canceling headphones, whatever you got, because it gets loud. It also gets cold. Now those planes are pretty cool. They even will like serve you an in-flight meal. The air force will come around. They'll bring you some food in a baggie, maybe a soda, and you can eat and drink and bring snacks, whatever you want. So those are cool. They have little bathrooms. They have two in the front on your port and starboard sides, they have these little bathrooms and they're good to go. Now, so Justin says, uh, pack up a 60. So, yep, you can fly in a 60 all around the world. If you, if helos are another story, uh, we're, so, you know, I don't, I never liked flying the helicopters that much, but, uh, you know, these giant fixed wing aircraft, those are remarkable. So a C-130 is a little bit of a different story as far as the bathroom goes. If you've ever flown on a long flight on a C-130 and you're like, oh man, I really have to go pee. Hey, is there a bathroom on this thing? And the air crewman goes, oh yeah, just uh, go behind that and there's a bucket and use the bucket and then, you know, pack it up. And you're like, uh, really? You know, there's no, no actual bathroom on these things. So I saw this article today and it brought back all these memories to me of flying on these planes and all the fun times uh, and cool places we got to go when we broke down in Spain or needed to wait for our visas to get approved for a week, uh, you know, having to take a, a night of crew rest in Germany or something like that. It was always awesome. So from military.com here, privacy, please. Air Force wants to add toilet curtains on a B-52 bomber. So this just made me think of the bathroom thing on a C-130. The U.S. Air Force is looking to add privacy curtains to B-52 Stratofortress bombers as more women join flight crews. <clears throat> We've talked about before how airplanes, military aircraft and flight suits and all this stuff are not really outfitted to be that great for females. Uh, and this is just another example of that. So earlier this month, the service published a request for information from textile or apparel companies about bomber privacy screens. As the B-52 continues to fly long duration missions, especially with mixed crews, there's a higher need for privacy during restroom activities, according to the solicitation posted on the government's acquisition and awards website. The service's bomber, including the B-1 Lancer and B-2 Spirit, have been making a splash, haha, 
funny choice of words, lately with multiple high visibility flights around the world called Bomber Task Force Missions. The short notice flights are still a long haul. Is this the plane that dropped the, the, what was it, the Moab in Afghanistan? Is this that? Hit me up in the comments if you know. A B-52 crew, for example, can stay airborne for up to 40 hours on a single mission and can stay, can fly 8,800 miles without refueling. So that's insane. Many Air Force planes have already have, many Air Force planes already have private bathroom compartments or partition spaces. Oh, here we go. The C-130 Hercules has a urinal and toilet tucked back in the cargo area of the plane with a curtain airman can close around them. Now, so this article does talk about the, the C-130. It is not a bathroom. Okay. It is not a bathroom. It is a, it is a, an alcove in the corner front right, I believe, as you're looking at it. And you go up there and the curtain, you pull that in and you're like, you can barely fit. For one, you barely fit in there. And then it's just like a bucket that you go in. So the C-17 Globemaster uh, KC-46 Pegasus tankers have a full lavatory with sink, toilet, and lockable door. KC-135, KC-10, C-5. The C-5 is my jam. If you get a chance to ever fly on a C-5, incredible. They all have lockable doors on their bathrooms. But those mobility aircraft are much more spacious on the inside, allowing for more comfortable latrine use than their bomber counterparts. The B-1, for instance, has a small toilet behind the left front seat in the four-person cockpit, while the B-2 stealth bomber has one stainless steel bowl, no walls, right behind the right seat of its two-pilot cockpit. The B-52, a small urinal, is located behind the offense compartment, according to photos on Popular Science. The B-52 typically has two. Let me open this up in a new tab. The B-52 typically has two pilots, a weapons officer, and electronic warfare officer, but can have up to five-person crew and crew members must use a bag to defecate and dispose of it when a bomber's mission is over. It's there's no good. I mean, Justin, Justin up in the chat, how was it going to the bathroom on the 60? You know, let us know. They have these, they have these tubes with a funnel on it that you pee into and the pee just falls out the side. If you have to go number two, well, there's a little, you know, maybe, maybe Justin help me out here. There's a little hole in the center where the, uh, where the cargo hook is and maybe you could go number two out of the bottom of that thing or maybe in a bag, but, um, otherwise you probably just have to hold that for, for dear life. So what's, let me check in chat. Kilo, what's up? Welcome to the chat. Justin, sorry, meant I've packed up the 60 in some fixed wings. Oh yes. Yes. Pack. You can fly a helicopter in a fixed wing plane. Scotty says, why is this a story and why is the acquisitions process is broken? They can't just get them. <laughs> I thought a C-130 dropped the Moab. We'll check on that. You pee into the tube, bro. Relief tube. Yep. So that's what I was saying. The relief tubes, right? So it's this rubber tube with a funnel at the top of it and you pee into that and the pee just falls out the side of it. But if you have to, I've heard of people, I've heard stories of people going number two out of the cargo hook, uh, compartment, the, the hell hole, um, which I think is what that, that's what it's called on the, uh, 53s. And then on the sixties, just the cargo hook compartment, you pop that up and you can get down there. Um, maybe that's just a, a myth. Maybe that's just a myth, but the, uh, so, but yeah, you need to bring a bag or you need to just go in your pants if it was an emergency, I guess. And I've held my pee on the helo for a really long ride once. And I did not like that very much. The latest initiative coincides with the service's overall effort to create a more inclusive culture. So yeah, obviously if you're going to have these aircraft with mixed crews, I think women should have a place to go to the bathroom too, especially like, you know, for pilots, for pilots in the helo, and I'm sure it's probably similar in the jet, they have their little relief tube also, but it's extraordinarily hard to use. And they make these attachments, if you will that you can put into your flight suit. I think this is what they have in the jets. So you can just like uh, hook it up and you can go to the bathroom kind of whenever and it'll drain out, hopefully. Justin says you can't go out of the cargo hook hole because the air flows up 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lieutenant Truey, shit in a bag once. <laughs> the bat, yep, I can, I definitely have heard about people using a bag so the air flows up through the cargo hole. Yep, that makes sense. Okay, so you don't want to go out of there. So you guys learned a valuable life lesson today. Don't try to go number two out of the cargo uh, hook hole on a 60. <laughs> the, uh, so I, 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 you know, I support obviously trying to make improvements. I don't know why they can't, um, as Scotty said, can't get a better bathroom on these things, but, um, it's, it's doesn't seem like it should be too hard of a problem to make that adjustment with the, considering the fact that they have these aircraft in, uh, service for decades and decades. So they should be able to just put in a bathroom or something like that. Uh, if they can do all this other maintenance and all these other repairs and everything like that. So I'm looking through that article I opened in a, in the other tab, but there's no picture of the bathroom. So maybe I'll Google it. Um, there's been, you know, <sighs> there's been a lot of news about the Navy's physical fitness over the years. I've talked about it a lot. The Navy's physical fitness, or the lack thereof, maybe I should say. Um, it is, the Navy, I think, is the fattest branch. The Navy is probably the fattest branch. I think that that's statistically true. I think that it's, uh, in my opinion, it's definitely true. So, you know, they we just have our issues with fitness, uh, especially on a ship, especially on shipboard life, submarine life. Maybe, I think Samariners tend to be a little skinnier than, you know, ship topside people, but uh, the Navy's got some, some, some weight issues, okay? And the Navy has made some changes to the PRT this year. They're going to be doing planks instead of sit-ups. They introduced the rowing machine, which, by the way, is probably much, much harder than running. Running is the easiest way to get through your PRT unless you're physically unable to run. But the news broke today on Navy Times and I'm going to cover this for you guys real quick and give you my opinion, that the Navy delays resuming physical fitness assessments again. For I guess that makes it 60 years that the Navy hasn't cared about fitness. No, I think this is all in response to COVID. So this is probably about COVID. Uh, Navy delays resuming physical fitness assessments again. Rather than restart in March, the Navy is now planning to complete one PFA cycle in 2021 starting in July, according to NAV admin released on the 27th. This aims to avoid flu season and allow more sailors to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. In order to continue to mitigate COVID-19 impacts to the fleet, the Navy will conduct one PFA cycle in 2021 from 1 to 31 July. So for all the sailors out there, you've got until July to get your fitness standards in place. Shifting the PFA cycle to July allows the Navy to execute the official PFA after the primary influenza season while allowing time for COVID vaccines to be more widely distributed. The service first canceled the spring PFA in March 2020 due to concerns related to COVID-19. Although the service was aiming to resume the PFA in January, Vice Admiral John Noel, the Chief of Naval Personnel, said, that the Navy was holding off until spring to pick the PFA back up again. It will start toward the middle of March, so after flu season when it's warm enough, as we look at doing it for about six months through September, so you can get outside and do it, mitigate that risk. <laughs> Their ORM in the COVID, the risk of getting COVID while doing PT. The pandemic has only worsened since then, though vaccinations are bringing hope to return of normality. Um, it looks like the Navy's going to do this one PRT, the one PT test. But the thing about you know the Navy's PT test is... Nobody ever took it seriously anyway. Everyone just lies. So, you know, I can't think, I honestly can't think of an easier time to avoid COVID than doing a PT test outside. You're going to be socially distanced. You're doing planks now. So it's not like you have to put your hands on your buddy's feet like we used to do. And then they, you know, sit up and they get their face in your face and you go, you got this. Do more sit-ups. Come on. And you count like this. You go 8, 11, 14, 15. Come on, do six, six. 83. And then when they come around to get the number, you go 
83. He did 83. That's incredible. That just so happens to be exactly how many you needed for an outstanding high. And then, uh, you know, you average out that poor run that everybody's going to get because they lied about their push-ups and sit-ups, and you end up with a medium good. You get that medium good. It's not medium great. It's not medium outstanding, but it's medium good, and you don't have to go on FEP. Now, I do have a, a, an interest in knowing when the PT test does come around this summer, how many people fail their body composition assessment when they do the, and have to go to tape and how many people fail the tape. I wonder if it's going to be some kind of catastrophic change in how many people are, uh, failing their PT test this time. What do you guys think? Do you guys think COVID has made people in worse physical shape because they haven't been out there getting out there and getting after it in the gym? Gyms have been closed. I will say, you know, out here in Okinawa, the gyms have only been closed for very, very brief periods. They did institute weird policies such as um, you have to have your mask on when you're doing weightlifting, but you can have your mask off when you're doing cardio. So that makes no sense whatsoever to me. Uh, I mean, I'm glad. I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm glad, you know, I'm, I, I go out there and, you know, use the stationary bike or whatever I'm doing for my cardio that day, the stair climber. The stair climber is good exercise, by the way. You can even get a good workout on the elliptical. If you have any questions about how to get a good workout on the elliptical, the stationary bike, or the uh, stair stairmaster, let me know and I'll give you some tips. You can hit me up or just uh, let me know you want to see a video of me doing a stair climber and I'll go do it. So it, it it is going to be interesting to see when people finally get back after it on the uh, on the PT stuff and see if people pass the new PRT. Because not only is it going to be what over a year since the PRT has been done, but then they're also changing it too. So I, I actually think that the plank is harder than the sit-ups. And I also think that uh, the the uh, run is the easiest cardio that you can do. And there's no excuse for not running during COVID unless you've had that, unless you had COVID and you couldn't breathe. So Kilo says the tape test needs to be changed too. I know a lot of big dudes in shape, but got uh, chaptered out because their neck was too fat. You know, it's so inaccurate. You're right that it's so inaccurate. Um, Justin says everyone should just use oxygen deprivation mask and train at altitude. Oh, yeah. You know, you always see those dudes with a with the altitude mask on in there in the gym, right? And they're training for Afghanistan or whatever. I, you know, good to go. Like, because you do, you know, if I, I know, I know you're, you're saying that you're, you're joking about it, but when you go to altitude, you can't breathe. It's true. Your fitness, when let's say you go to Afghanistan, right? I flew to Afghanistan. Our ground elevation was like 7,000 feet. Could not breathe, could not do anything without getting out of breath. At the end of that deployment, I come home and I go to San Diego and it's like I was a superhuman. It was like I had superpowers for like four days. You know, I could not, I couldn't get tired. I couldn't do anything to tire myself out. I could do any, it was like incredible. And then four days later, I'm back to regular and it sucked. So, uh, Wow, what was I? Saying? Oh yeah, so Kilo, the tape test, it it makes literally no sense. Like it doesn't work. It's so dumb. Like you're right, I agree. It it needs to be totally changed. It just doesn't work. And it's so ridiculous that we're still taking the size of your waist and subtracting the size of your neck and calling that your body fat percentage like or your BCA result. Like what is that? That's the dumbest thing that the military has. It it's like I mean, it's up. It's got to be up there with the sit and reach. It literally makes no sense. So I really hope that they do change that and figure out a better way to do people's BCA. So Scotty says, before the Navy, I lived at 8K and went to sea level for boot camp. I was like a god on the runs. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah, because, you, you know, you lived in uh, like Salt Lake area, right? So 
if you lived at if you've ever lived at altitude or you know been at altitude for a few months and then you go back down to sea level, you are like a superhero. Yes, Scotty is like Scotty is a, a physical specimen. Um, so, hang on one second here. Just had to clear my throat. Excuse me. Sorry about that. So, uh, I, I got this. Speaking of you know physical specimens and health and well being, I saw this article. I haven't read it yet, so we're gonna read it together. It, I, it's pretty interesting stuff. And if it's accurate, I really want to know more. I got to get me some of this. The Air Force is developing a spray-on tech that will make you heal like Wolverine. Has anybody in the chat heard of this? Ever watch Wolverine's body spit out bloody bullets and think, gee, I want to be like that? The Air Force understands. And while it may not be able to give you a Hugh Jackman beautiful body, it's going to do its damnedest to make you heal like it. That's why the Air Force is funding new research to develop a spray-on technology that can reprogram the function of human cells to self-heal wounds five times faster than usual. This is that tough actin' actin' right here. Let's get some of this. Though the technology is still in development, it could be groundbreaking for treating war wounds and other situations like burns. Oh my God, what's happening to my computer? Burns, skin grafts, or organ transplants. The impact of this research effort can be far-reaching, said Dr. Now, here we go. If you guys tuned in to watch me not be able to pronounce names, here's your first one today. Dr. Rajesh Naik, Naik, uh, chief scientist of the 711 Human Performance Wing, which collaborated on the research in a press release on Friday. The convergence of biosciences with mathematical models can truly provide an inflection point to advance the development of wound healing. Look how ripped Hugh Jackman is. He would have not have been an E3 in Air Force, by the way, if you're watching this on, uh, on, on YouTube. How would this spray-on superpower work? Theoretically, the spray would use proteins called transcription factors to turn on or off various genes within cells to regulate activities such as cell division, growth, migration, and organization, the press release explained. Turning those genes on or off would effectively reprogram certain human cells, such as a skin cell, to act like a muscle cell, a blood cell, or something else. Does this sound scary, though? Like, if this goes wrong, what, I wonder what the unintended consequences of this are. I wonder how many years of trials this thing's going to have to undergo before this could ever be available. Let's see if they address it in the article. With the application of the right transcription factors, you could convert exposed deep muscle cells into surface skin cells, which gives the wound a better chance for success, successfully healing. How interesting. The Air Force is not the only one interested in rapid self-healing capabilities. The University of California Riverside released a video in 2016 about its research into a transparent, highly stretchable material for batteries, electronic devices, and robots that can repair itself with a few volts of electricity. What? What? So in 2017, Mashable reported that clothing lines and tech companies were applying them to backpacks. And in 2020, The Verge reported that Apple applied for a patent for self-healing phone screens. Yes, can we get that? Forget the, I don't want to live forever. Get me a self-healing phone screen. Could you imagine? Yeah, I don't care. You know, we're all going to die. But can my phone screen not be spiderwebbed? I need that. Let's get that. The 711 Human Performance Wing also isn't the only organization interested in cellular reprogramming. In December, the journal Nature published a study that found some success reversing signs of aging in mice, such as blindness with changes in gene expression programs. Now in the chat, let's see. Scotty said, or Justin says, does it deal with uh, telomere? So uh, Scotty said, I would say talk to your wife about this one. <laughs> Maybe I will. Uh, Justin says, I mean, cancer is cells multiplying incorrectly. That's why some tumors have teeth and stuff in them. That is why, so Justin, that's what I said about, un, that's what I meant when I said, um, I wonder what the unintended co consequences are because if cells start rapidly healing and changing, if something goes wrong in that repair process, that's where cancer comes from. It's the 
It's the, it's an, it's a, it's a, what's the word? A mutation in a cell that starts to grow and then that cell spreads. So as cells get damaged and regrow, cancer can, that's why burns, sunburns and things turn into cancer is my, is my very, very elementary understanding of it. So when Justin says telomeres, if you guys don't know what telomeres are really quick, really quick, because my wife has taught me about telomeres. Telomeres are a measurable type of cell. It's something on your, on your encoded into your DNA that every cell has like a telomere and those telomeres have a certain length and it's like a fuse. And when that telomere gets short enough, it dies. The cells die. So you can actually look at the telomeres of a person and see how they're doing and like make a prediction on their health and their longevity of, you know, either individual parts of their health or their general health, you know, and how long they might live. So it's on the end of genes. Yeah. So it's like a tail at the end of your genes. And as that telomere gets older, it decays. And when it gets, you know, at the end of its fuse, it's dead. And that's, you know, you'll, and then you die. So I always thought that that was quite interesting, the telomeres thing. So thank you for bringing that up. Now, back to like this spray on magical healing stuff. It does say, however, researchers still need to identify which transcription factors would reprogram cells for the desired effect of healing faster for the Air Force. Which, which cells does the Air Force need healed most? Because they get pretty butt hurt. So is it butt cells? You guys like that one? The Air Force is going to need some butt cell healing for all the butt hurtness they're always getting. Because we always all make fun of the Air Force. <sighs> What's going on today? It's Friday. It's just, it's, it's just Friday, I guess. It's just Friday. So <sighs> are you going to make me article. Are you going to make me do this? However, researchers still need to identify which transcription factors would reprogram cells for the desired effect of healing faster for the Air Force. Dr. Indika Rajapaksi, Associate Professor of Mathematics and Computational Medicine and Bioinformatics at the University of Michigan, is leading a team of scientists who are using an algorithm to mathematically identify the right transcription factors. They also received funding for the Department of University Defense University Research Instrumental Program to buy a live cell imaging microscope to help with the research. I wonder what that kind of thing costs. Thanks to the Air Force's help, I was able to acquire the tools I need to advance my research into cellular reprogramming and wound healing, she said. The concept of healing, self-healing technology is incredible, but the rate at which it is being researched is also breathtaking. It's rare that mathematics provides such promising results so quickly, said Dr. Frederick Levy, a program officer for the Air Force of Air Force Office of Scientific Research. You know, a lot of people don't realize the military and the different branches have these vast scientific research programs. Like, we all know DARPA, right? But like the Navy has a version, the Air Force has a version, the Marine Corps has a version. And they're doing all of these kind of insane technological tests and research and development and experimental things. And a lot of it is just, you know, experimentation for the sake of discovery and learning new things and doing research. And they don't even know what they're going to do with it yet. Like they, we have all these technologies that have been developed and they're like, we don't, we did this, but we don't know what to do with it. So maybe, you know, that's what liaisons do. So if you're an expert in your field, you could be, you know, maybe potentially a liaison and you could be the person who goes in between the scientists and the users, you know, and that's a very important job. Ah, that was a little bit of a rant, huh? So the Air Force is making the self-healing technology. Um, and I think that that's quite interesting and I'm really excited to kind of see where that goes. So thank you. Uh, bodega for, you know, I assume you're talking about my joke. I appreciate it. I try hard with these jokes. So Justin says, if you can keep your telomeres whole, your cells would reproduce like you're 16 and not 60. And I have seen recently, uh, Justin about the telomeres. One more thing about the telomeres. When they, when they published some articles recently about reversing aging, reversing aging in mice and in people, 
uh, if you guys have seen any of these articles, they are talking about extending telomeres, which means that they could extend the life, reverse the aging in cells by, you know, measuring that the fact that they had telomeres, they measured a length, they did whatever they did, gene therapy or whatever, and the telomeres got longer. So I need some of that. Let me get some of that telomere. You know, I don't want to live forever, but I'd like to live the best life I can for as long as I can, you know? So let me get some of that telomere hookup right there. Um, we've got one more story and then we're going to go into reviewing, replying to some comments, replying to some user comments. It's the last episode of the month, okay? It's the last episode of January and I wanted to share with you guys some comments that I've been getting on the videos because they're interesting and I like to, you know, I like to go back and review these things. Some of them are good, some of them are scary, some of them I like and some of them I don't. We're going to talk all about it. So, you know, and I debated back and forth of how I want to show you guys this. I'm going to let you guys in. If you guys stick around till the end of the video, I'm going to let you in on the inside of my YouTube creator studio. Okay, we're going to go into what I see on the back end of YouTube where I go do all my YouTube work, uploading videos, managing comments, managing thumbnails and all that stuff. I'm going to show you guys some channel comments. So before we do that, there's been this picture, video, you know, TikTok, whatever floating around that I've seen in the past few days. And it's been this stuffed animal uh, in a jet, this stuffed animal in a jet in an F-15 and and then today I saw an article about it. This is from Task and Purpose as to what this stuffed animal is really up to, okay? So we've all seen videos, GoPros inside of cockpits, cockpits and stuff. But I'm going to show you guys this picture of this stuffed animal we're going to talk about because it's pretty neat. The adorable story of Scofe, the plushy duck who flies in an F-15. So I'll just scroll down to the picture. If you're watching this on YouTube here, if you're looking at this picture on the left side here, you see this green duck. And it's this stuffed animal that's been photoed flying around in this jet. And here's the story about that. Here's an adorable story to start your week, or in this case, end your week. A pilot says goodbye to his young daughter as he deploys abroad. But not wanting to feel too far from home, the pilot borrows one of her toys, a plush green duck. The pilot takes the duck on sorties and on video calls with his daughter. People notice the duck in the cockpit, and he becomes an unofficial mascot for a pilot's fighter wing with his orange-billed face shared across social media and on a morale patch. Aw, that's pretty sweet. This is the story of Scofe the Duck, a bright green stuffed animal who provides a splash of color and a touch of home for Air Force Captain Andrew Munoz, formerly of the 494th Fighter Squadron and now Chief of Plans for the 335. From his perch atop Munoz's F-15 instrumental panel, instrument panel, Scofe became a hit among members of the 49, I mean, how many different number of units am I going to have to read here? Based in RAF Lankenheath, United Kingdom. So the Air Force is cool. They get to go live in the UK and have a good time out there. I had people reach out from all sorts of different aviation platforms wanting to hear Scove's story, Munoz said in a recent press release by Airman First Class Jesse Monty. But as cute as Scove is, his origins lie in a tough moment that many military parents experience saying goodbye to their young children as they deploy overseas. I don't have kids, uh, so I never had to deal with this, but for parents... You know, I, I, you could just see it wearing on the faces of the, you know, people I was deployed with who had kids and they would go do the Skype, Skype calls, the VTC, the phone call with the kids. And, you know, you could just see how hard it was to be away. So shout out to children of military members, children of service members. Uh, I do realize how hard that must be. I don't know, but I, I can try to empathize with how difficult it must be to have a parent who goes away for six months, 10 months, a year on training all the time. That must be really hard. So his daughter was just four months old. When he arrived on station and dumped his clothes onto his bed to unpack, he found one of his daughter's tiny socks lying on top of the pile. It was a very tough moment, the pilot said. Aw, that was my first lucky charm, a reminder of what I had depending on me to make it home safely. 
But soon afterwards, it was time for Munoz to head out on his second deployment. Combined with his first, the pilot would be separated from his daughter for almost half her life. To make things a little easier, Munoz took the duck with him so that she could be more emotionally invested in their video calls. I didn't want my daughter to think I lived inside the phone, Munoz said. I took scope so she could connect with something she had possession of in reality. It was a crucial bonding experience for us. And if you're watching here, here's a picture of them. And the daughter, the daughter's in an Air Force flight suit that she got from the Air Force gift store inside the exchange, I'm guessing. And that is just totally adorable. The duck is like the same size as the daughter. And, uh, and he's ready. He's got his boonie cap on. He's got his assault pack on. He's ready to go on a deployment. And has he got maybe like a Nintendo Switch on the backpack here? Because he's in the Air Force. Like many pilots, Scof got his nickname from his wingmen. In this case, the Duck was named after the AA-10 heat-seeking missile, also known as Duck. The phrase, don't scope the Duck, often dropped before every training sortie. There are more threatening missiles we train to combat, so the Duck is often forgotten, but it is still nonetheless lethal. It was a fitting name, and it stuck. And then there's a patch here. This is the best patch. Whoever designed this patch, is, that's so good. Just from my... Little knowledge of graphic design. This is an expertly designed patch using using circles. This whole patch is designed using circles cut out of other circles. If you can look at that there and kind of see what I'm talking about. Very well done. Very well designed. Soon enough, Scope took off both in the air and in our hearts. Scope coming into the limelight really connected the community to the pilots and their works. And Mike Whitbread, a local aviation enthusiast, it was something to personalize the pilot rather than just being the guy in the F-15. You can see it in a picture here. That's awesome. Maybe he'll fly to Okinawa and I can see it. Munoz flew his final flight with, no, he won't, I guess. He and his family are now stationed at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base in North Carolina, so he won't be in Okinawa anytime soon. Still, Munoz said he plans to save a seat for Scope in the cockpit for the rest of his flying career. I think it will be a special memento for her when she grows up, said Munoz. We st she will still have something to remind her that she was always with me in some kind of way, no matter where I was in the world. Listen, I'll tell you guys something. I'm going to let you guys in on something personal with me. I, uh, by the way, I'm about to let you guys know something personal with me, so like this video. Like the video before I do. Listen, I, uh, I have a stuffed doll. I have a stuffed doll. I've had it since I was just out of boot camp. I got it just out of boot camp. I went home for the Hometown Assistance Recruiter Program. What's up, Saifi? Welcome to the chat. The Hometown Assistance Recruiter Program, where you go post boot camp, post you know your first school or whatever, and they give you two weeks of free leave, to go home and you work with your recruiter and you travel around and you, you know, advocate for the Navy. You're like, look, I just, I just joined the Navy. Look how happy I am. I got my dress whites on. I'm an E2. Check this out. Two green stripes right here. Get off my back with that. Two green stripes. How many green stripes you got? None. That's right. I have two. Then you go travel around. People ask you questions about how awesome boot camp was. And you lie and you tell them how hardcore you are and how hardcore boot camp was. And, you know, they probably can't do it, but you know, you could, and well, you know, maybe they can do it because you actually went to the last hard boot camp, and every boot camp after yours is going to be easy. So maybe they can do it, but it'll never be as good as yours. And anyway, you got the point. You're you're just going back there to help recruit, and if you do a good job, maybe you can try to get some eval bullets there for it. So anyway, I just told you that to let you know. One of the things I did on harp duty was I went to the local fair, the Dutchess County Fair in New York, and I got this little doll of Stewie from Family Guy. I got this Stewie doll from Family Guy and that was almost 18 years ago, almost 18 years ago and I still have it to this day. It's actually on my bed in my room right now. On Monday, Sunday, 1800 Pacific, I'll bring the Stewie doll and I'll show you guys. I still have this thing 
it's been a little, it's worn down a little bit. I bet some people in the chat have seen it because I took it on every deployment. Justin, do you remember me having this thing on deployment? Scotty, do you remember this thing? I had this Stewie doll and I've taken it on every deployment and every trip. It's gone with me everywhere. It's my good luck charm. I've always had it. And it's always reminded me that, uh, you know, I, I, of good times back home, watching family guy laugh and having a good time, remaining young at heart. Okay. It's always reminded me to remain young at heart and, uh, never take myself too seriously. If you can rock a stuffed doll, you, you can, uh, you can, you can remain youthful, have a good time. That's what I always thought. So I was always proud, proudly rocking this stuffed, uh, Stewie doll. And I still have it to this day and I hope it never goes anywhere. I hope I have it for the rest of my life now. Okay. So it's 1145 here in Okinawa. We did it. We got pretty far into the show. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. My energy is back up. I'm having a good time. I love talking to you guys in the chat. It, you know, it's January 29th here. So that means tomorrow, Saturday is the 30th. Sunday's the 31st. Monday, it was February 1st. Monday is February. Okay, we're into a new month, the second month of 2021. And I've had a good month. I mean, honestly, the YouTube channel's gotten like 50 or 60 subs. We've got patrons. We've got donations. The first donations were this month. January has been a good month. I posted a lot of good stories to the show and some of them have gotten some traction. We've got a couple with over a thousand views, which is a lot for me. Um, we've gotten a lot of comments. And so what I thought I would do for you guys who tune in every day is let you behind the scenes a little bit. And I'm going to show you some comments that I've gotten and what, I, where I go and I manage comments and, you know, uh, let you guys know some that I like, some that I don't like, some that frankly frighten me a little bit. You know, that some, some people, you know, I appreciate the views, but some people I don't, I don't uh, appreciate, you know, I don't, I don't agree with all of the views that everyone expresses and shares with me on these comments. I've gotten some hate, you know, I'm a small, I'm a small channel, but I've gotten some hate. What's up with that? Why would people find me this small channel and give me some hate? You know, that's a lot. That's a lot of work to go spread some negativity. But on the flip side, I get some extremely positive comments, some extremely positive, flattering comments, and I appreciate them so much. And they motivate me. They make me feel excited about what's to come in the future of this channel. I hope one day we have 10,000 subscribers, 100,000 subscribers, and there's too many comments to even keep up with. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to that day. And I'll do my best to keep up with them. I try to reply or like every comment. Mini Leia says, misery loves company. It's true. It's true. So, okay, here we go. First comment on the video of why there will never be a female Navy SEAL. We did this on the show maybe two weeks ago, maybe last week, something like that. It it was a segment from an episode and it was why there will never be a female Navy SEAL. The comment was, wow, this was much more nuanced, well thought out and well explained than any other video on this matter. Great analysis and thank you for your service. Thank you, you boy, killer meme star. Uh, when I first saw that, I was like, where's this person from? Like, what is the, uh, what is the, epi- the, what is it? Not uh, the, the, the history of like a name. What is that called? Hook me up in the comments if you remember the, where the, what it's called, the study of like the history of names. And I was like, oh, it just says your boy killer meme star. So that's cool. Um, thank you for that comment. I appreciate it. I try to express a well thought out unbiased position. Um, I always try to argue with myself. And I'm not too dug in on any one thing that I believe because I, if there's one thing I've learned, and I think I only learned this about two years ago, is if there's one thing I know about myself for sure, it's that I am going to change. You know, I, I change. I think we all do. You know, this idea that we don't change, that our opinions are never going to change. 
I've accepted that I change and I'm bound to change and change again. So I'm never too dug in on any one thing. The only thing I think I have told you guys in that I'm, that I'm not flexible on is, uh, my, my fuck ISIS position. And that's about it. So let's see. We've got a comment here on Navy. We got three comments from somebody yesterday. Four. Four comments from one person yesterday on the Navy SEAL pleads guilty to murdering Green Beret. This is the story of Logan Melgar getting killed by Tony Didoff, who recently got sentenced to 10 years in prison for that killing. And the comments were, let's see, the fact that you're the only one reporting on this is scary. And then he says, Navy SEALs no longer seem so highly regarded now. I don't agree. Navy SEALs are still very highly regarded and should be. But he says, the fact that you're the only one reporting on this is scary. You know, it, it, it makes me have a question for the audience here, which is, do you think that I do a good job? Find, you know, I, I asked this at the beginning of the show. There's new people here now. Do you think that I do a good job finding stories to report on? Do you, I, I do wonder this sometimes, you know, like, why am I the only one talking about this? Why is this not a bigger story, you know? But I hope that I'm doing a good job. And then he goes on to say, uh, I'll just address these comments really quick. Tony Didoff is a stain to the Navy SEALs that should do life in prison. Nobody influential cares. Who the F would join the military with these monsters being protected, locked it up, up for life? He's a danger to the world. If these are the U.S. men being sent overseas, it's no wonder why countries we help end up hating us. Imagine these monsters, what these monsters do to the locals. You know, okay, so he obviously feels strongly about this issue of, of Tony Didoff. Should he do life in prison? Well, he, you know, maybe, maybe. I think that the truth never really came out. But we are going to be following the trial of the Marine who is uh, not pleading. He's not making a plea deal. So he's going to go to trial. Maybe we'll find out what happened and we can make a better you know, assessment if he should do life in prison or not, in our opinions. So thank you, Doc, and thank you, Kilo, and thank you, Syphy. You report the things people should have at least some knowledge about. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And it's just, you know, I have a good, I like talking about this stuff too. I just like talking about this stuff. So I want to talk about this last comment. You know, I brought this up because I want to talk about this last comment from BC. If these are the U.S. men being sent overseas, it's no wonder why countries we help end up hating us. Imagine what these monsters do to the locals. He's kind of got a point here. I'm going to be honest. He's kind of got a point. You know, every, every time that we go overseas, and you get told this, right? Even in the Navy, when you're going to a port call, you are an ambassador of the United States. No matter what your rank is, no matter what your job is, when you go overseas in a capacity of military service, you become an ambassador of the United States. And let's say somebody in Iraq, their only experience is with you over there, and you give them something to eat, right? You share an MRE with them. They might spend the rest of their life going, America isn't so bad. Americans are good. I hear this bad stuff about Americans. I don't think that that's true. Maybe I won't take up arms against Americans. Maybe they aren't, you know, the invaders, the terrorists, the occupiers, while somebody else is trying to tell them that we are. Or... Somebody comes up and says, Skittles, Skittles, and you go, you know, you kick them. You kick them in the chest. Well, now maybe they're not going to be so excited about Americans, you know? So if this, if people look up the U.S. military and they find this article about Tony Didoff and Logan Melgar, this might be the, the thing that they take away about what the U.S. military is. So remember, the only thing I'm going to say about this is remember, you are, at all times, if you're in the military, an ambassador of the United States. And people will remember their interaction with you as to what the military is all about. Um, I've got a lot of, I got a lot of attention from this video. Topher featuring TMR the Patriot. I posted this video as a segment uh, from the show and it's gotten 1,300 views at this point. But the comments coming in are definitely from people who, you know, they've made the side of the aisle that they stand on very clear. And stuff like the left is scared of patriots. They want to silence anyone that loves the United States. I've seen comments like, this is so communist. 
this one says, I say if they want to ban them for this song, they ban any song that promotes killing, drug sales, and any other form of violence, period. And he goes on to say some more stuff from Jabril Santiago. Um, uh, Natasha says, first time I heard this today, the left fascists really try to hide it, yet WAP by the disgusting forest troll got all the attention. It's okay to rap about sex, drugs, killing, and this, and, and uh, it's unbelievable communism here. You know, I don't agree with these views. I think, um, I think that's a little excessive. You know, I think that that's a little bit excessive. This, this, the reason I bring it up is because this war going on between, you know, conservative and liberal people and they call the left and the right and this like war happening on the internet that has been spilling into the streets makes me really sad. You know, it's not, it's not the right direction to go in. I think that we really need to tone this stuff down a little bit. Let's let people live their lives. You know, let people think what they want. You, you don't have any right to tell people what they should believe or think. You know, it's just so, it's just so crazy. And when this stuff spills into my YouTube channel, I've been, I've been called a white supremacist on my YouTube channel. I mean, how insane is that? I certainly don't consider myself a white supremacist and nobody that I know has ever suggested anything, even remotely close to something like that. But then people come onto my YouTube channel and find a video where I literally was, the video was literally about how bad this one particular white supremacist group is. This was the uh, Ethan Melzer video where he had been trying to plan an attack on his army unit when they deployed to Afghanistan when he was coordinating with ISIS and the OA-9 Satan worshiping group and also the Nazi white supremacist group. And they go on there and they called me a white supremacist. And I'm like, man, if I was somebody who didn't, you know, have the, 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 you know, mindset of like, you can't take what you see on the internet here seriously. That might be, you know, something really hurtful to me. Luckily it wasn't cause I'm an adult. So, um, I'm not going to read this whole thing. Uh, but I just want to, if you guys are watching on the YouTube screen, look at this comment. Okay. I'm scrolling through it right now. Look at this comment from Olimi Noruega, who goes on to, by the way, right off the bat, say warning, this comment's really long, but they took the time. Look, my YouTube channel doesn't even have a thousand subscribers, but we're on the road to a thousand. Okay. We're on the road to a thousand. That's the goal in the, hopefully the first quarter of this year. And he writes or he or she writes this comment that is like, five or six paragraphs, long paragraphs, okay? He watched, he or she, this person watched my video of my small YouTube channel, the video that has hundreds of views, and he even, or I'm sorry, the, the viewer here, even, I, I don't know this person, I don't know what they are. This person even commented, this seems like a really long comment for a video that doesn't have that many views. But something about what I put out there made them think that, you know, it warranted this kind of response and that the content that I put out was thoughtful enough. It had enough, you know, different sides of the story in it, some actual analysis that it deserved this kind of feedback. And I appreciate that so much. I'm honored to get comments like this. And I said, thank you for this comment. I hope that I continue to earn comments like this. I hope that I continue to earn comments like this that are this well thought out, you know, and I do appreciate it. I, I like that we're still getting comments about our Outpost podcast, our three-part series of The Outpost, The Story of Red Platoon. If you haven't already listened to this, it's a three-part series. It's on YouTube and it's on the podcast, The Outpost, part one, part two, and part three. Please go listen to that. It's the most viewed uh, podcast that we've ever done by a lot. 
And those guys are heroes. That's Clint Romache, the movie The Outpost, Red, the book Red Platoon, um, the, the book The Outpost by Jake Tapper, which is what they made a movie into. Uh, incredible story, okay? Incredible story of heroism, brotherhood, war, life after military, all this stuff. Please go watch it. I, you know, Shout out to the guys who took their time to sit down with me and record this that episode. So every, uh, Mini Leia says, every military in every country has a bad seed. The great outweigh the bad. I agree with that completely. We can't judge, we shouldn't judge each other on our one worst thing. You know, we should look at the goods, but we should always look at the bads as something that we can improve upon, right? We should always be trying to improve upon what's bad. Kilo says, absolutely. I think that's in regard to do, am I doing a good job? I appreciate that. Can we all just get along, doc? Wouldn't that be nice? But then we wouldn't need the military. Kilo says, some people get off on bashing the military. Goes, it makes them feel relevant. Guess it makes them feel relevant. People who are sad themselves feel better after making other people feel sad on the internet. Sad people try to make other people sad. And that's sad. And then it's a circle of sadness. I'm not going to try to, I was going to try to sing the circle of life and say sadness, but I'm not going to do that to you guys. Mini Lay says, people take something so minute and blow it up to unrecognizable final points just to be heard and seen. Yeah, it's true. I'm glad that the viewers of this show are able to recognize that kind of thing happening um, where it's just like anybody will say the most outrageous extreme thing just to get on a platform, just to be heard on a platform. And that's not very good at all. I think we should not give so much attention to that and maybe we won't have that problem. Um, so thank you. I'm, I'm glad we're still getting comments on that. And this is all from the last couple days, by the way, this is all from the last few days. So I'm, I'm, you know, getting a, we're getting a lot more traction in the comments. Congrats on 800. We hit 800. We hit 800 subs this week and we're up to like 830 right now, almost. Um, Mosul, the Mosul film. We've gotten a bunch of comments on my review of the film Mosul, which if you have not seen Mosul, Go watch it. It's incredible. An incredible film about the ISIS, con- the, the ISIS conflict in the final days in the city of Mosul from the perspective of the Iraqi forces fighting against ISIS. You have to watch it. It's a must watch. I can't believe how many comments I've gotten from people saying that they're from Iraq, from Mosul, who've seen that review and you know, thank, thank you me for a review, how great the movie was. It did a great job depicting what happened. The global outreach of YouTube is so cool. The fact that people from Iraq where, you know, I served, where so many of us have served, have seen my review of the movie Mosul and what I thought about it and then commented on it. Incredible. Isn't that incredible? Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's like more for, maybe it's more incredible to me than it is to you guys and I'm making it bigger than it is. I don't know. You guys let me know what you think in the comments. Um, Red says, I should do a reaction video with the actual video for uh, the Patriot. Maybe I will. They have an, a music video out now. I'm a big supporter of the Marine Rapper. Like I said, I don't know Topher. I don't want to speak on behalf of Topher, but I know the Marine Rapper and I know what he's all about and he's a great dude. And I hope you guys have been out there streaming his music. Not the Patriot, not just the Patriot, but his music, his other albums, um, including Nightmerica. My favorite album by him is Nightmerica, if you go listen to that. Um, the Tony Didoff Navy SEAL murdering Green Beret video got a lot. I'm still getting um, comments on greyhound review so old videos once you put a, a video out on youtube it's out there forever uh so it, you know it's constantly getting new views getting new comments the navy seal karen video from many months ago they call the male karen's carl okay cool somebody said that i look like captain felix and i took that as a great compliment thank you very much for that compliment um thank you thank you thank you and this is all from this week you guys 
This is all from this week. Somebody on the CB video, I was in the Army Engineers at Fort Lewis. I was a transport operator. Then my first sergeant in battalion CSM discovered I could type 53 words per minute. And I ended up as a battalion commander, driver, and clerk. Great duty. And that was uh, from, you know, this person served a little bit back in the day. It just, I'm going to stop it there. It's because uh, now we're getting like, you know, a week ago, more than a week ago. I also get all these like spam comments. I hope you guys aren't clicking on any of the spam comments out there. Look, it's the last day of the month. Maybe I'll do this at the end of every month if you guys like doing comments, reviews. Hope you guys like seeing a little bit behind the scenes on my YouTube channel there. If you did, let me know. Like the video, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, what I'll say is it's just I'm, I'm always so humbled and grateful and thankful that people come out and watch this program. It means so much to me. It really is a special thing. You know, I put a lot of time into it. I really enjoy doing it. I hope you guys really enjoy watching it. I am, it's not lost on me that people are out here watching day after day and commenting and giving me shout outs. I thank you. I want to just thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. It means the world to me. And we're just going to keep going, keep pressing on. January is over. February, March, April, May, June, July, August, every month this year, we're just going to keep growing bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and we're going to get the chat going. And I'll never forget the people who were here from the beginning, supporting, watching, giving me shout outs, encouraging me to get back into it when I wasn't after, you know, the robbery that happened last two summers ago. Um, but you guys know, I'm not going to get into all that right now. Scotty says, when will you do episodes about your Navy carrier? Uh, I'm doing that soon. Uh, my plan was to do it this week, but it didn't really work out because of the sleep schedule thing. I thought I was going to be able to do more than I was. This, the awake sleep time really made me, jacked me up. So probably next week, um, stay tuned on Patreon. Um, uh, we're remodeling the studio. Okay. We're remodeling the studio. I've got a bunch of boxes in the corner here of things that just came in the mail. I'm doing a studio remodel starting today. Maybe I'll live, maybe I'll go live stream it later. If I'm doing a live stream later today or tomorrow morning, wherever you are, that's, it's just going to be me remodeling the studio. Feel free to tune in. I'm going to be doing content specifically for Patreon. If you haven't checked out the Patreon and you want to support the channel, that's probably the best way to do it. If you become an elite patron in your second month, you get a free t-shirt. So Rachel and Justin, your free t-shirts coming in a few days. Okay. So just send me your address and your size and I'll get your free t-shirt shipped out to you in the next week. Um, I'll be reaching out on Patreon soon. And, uh, and to everybody else, if you, the, another great way to support the channel is just by, uh, oh my gosh, oh my God, just right now, as we're talking, a $10 donation came in, a $10 donation. I mean, thank you. And it's from thank you again. And, uh, and it just means so much. Wow. That's so, that's so great. That's so great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that so much. Seriously. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. It just means so much to me. We're going to keep going. We're keeping the press on. Um, I love you guys for being a great audience. I love you guys for giving me positive, constructive feedback. And I hope I keep doing great stuff for you. Um, just like I was saying, a great way to support the channel is just by inviting people to the video, to the videos, inviting people to the chat, showing people the show. If you guys want a t-shirt, it's available on scuttleboatshow.com. And if you check out the intro, the intro to every live video, if you pixel peep. If you get in there and, and, you know, do a little, do your scans, do your fives and 25s of the intro video, you might catch a little discount code in there. Let me know if you do. And let me know if you use it. Um, with that being said, it's Friday. I think I need to go take a nap or something like that, but we're going to, we're going to be doing a studio revamp. Maybe I'll see you guys later. I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. Thank you 
Thank you, whoever you are, for that $10 donation. I can't believe it. I'm so blown away. That's just incredible. Uh, it really puts a smile on my face. And and maybe I don't even need a nap now. Maybe I'm just going to go right into the day because that just really boosted me up. I needed that today. I really did. Um, thank you guys very much. As always, I look forward to talking to you soon. I'll definitely be talking to you on Sunday, 1800 Pacific Standard Time. With that being said, I'm out for now.